Amen. Well, I'm a, a bit of an optimist, or I wouldn't even say a bit of an optimist. I uh, am a big optimist. Um, uh, but last week, uh, we ran into a bit of an issue. Um, it was a bit difficult to find a seat in here. Did anybody else notice that last week? It was a bit difficult uh, to find a seat in here. Um, we had uh, 75 in attendance, um, which was the most that we've had since after um, COVID struck us. Um, just like most churches in America, COVID uh, certainly took a big toll on us as a uh, church family. Um, but because of uh, our attendance last week, we had add more chairs in uh, to the sanctuary for this week, and uh, we're just slowly uh, making progress, rebounding um, from uh, the pandemic uh, that uh, hit this world. Um, and uh, again, it took a hit on us, but we were, uh, we were rebounding, we're heading in the right direction, and then in November, we got hit personally as a church. Um, a handful of us came down with it, and so that took us down again, but we're making progress. We're heading in the right direction, and I love uh, to see that. Uh, I think uh, we have an exciting uh, future in front of us all, um, which uh, I'm excited about. I'm excited uh, to fulfill uh, the potential that we have as a church um, here at North Hills. Um, we still all have a handful of friends and family uh, that we've yet to see uh, since the pandemic. Many of them could use a little kick in the rear end from uh, some of us, um, a gentle, a gentle kick in uh, the rear end, um, but uh, I'm just happy to be with you all. It truly brings me a lot of joy uh, to fellowship with you all, to worship our Heavenly Father with you all, as that's what it is all about. Uh, and again, I think the future is bright for us. I think we have an exciting future. Um, we can only fulfill that exciting future if we work together and growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom as a church, as one church. And both the local, both here at North Hills Church and the worldwide church, we have all the potential in the world. As we know what's going to take place in the end, we know that those of us who belong to God's church, the, the, the group of people who belong to God, we know that we are going to come out on top in the end. We're going to be partakers. We're going to be heirs of the promise that God has given each and every one of us, and we're going to partake in God's coming kingdom where everything wrong with this world is going to be made right. That excites me. Raise your hand if that excites you. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Yes. We have a bright future um, before us. Now, if you want to be a part of that bright future and, and the promises of the kingdom, uh, there's expectations. There's expectations to being a part of God's church. And that's kind of been our focus as we go through this series of being a member of God's church. Just like any other membership or group that you are a part of, there are expectations. And the same is true of being a part of God's church, which again is just the group of people that simply belong to God. And so today we're going to be talking about the expectation of following the leadership of the church. If someone wants to be a member of God's church, then they have to follow the leadership of God's church. And this, again, this is just like any other membership, any other group you can join. If you want to be a member of the United States of America, then you have to follow, uh, whether you like it or not, you have to follow and obey the president. If you want to uh, be a member at a local gym, you have to abide by and follow the rules that the owner has established within their gym. If you want to be a member of your school or your job that you work for, you have to abide by, you have to follow your boss's or principal's rules. 
any group that you want to be a part of, you have to follow the leadership. And the church is the same. If you want to be a member of the troop, the group uh, of the church, the group of people that belong to God, you have to follow the leadership of the church. And this morning, we're going to break this down into two sections. We're going to be talking about following the leadership on a local level and following the leadership on a worldwide level. So I believe that, that we, uh, members of God's worldwide church, I believe that we are called uh, to follow the leadership of our local churches. And I believe this is supported throughout the scriptures as well. We, we can find proof of this in the book of Hebrews. If you have your Bible, Bibles, you can open up to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, the last chapter in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is way in the back of your Bibles. And uh, the writer of Hebrews, uh, we aren't certain who it is. A lot of people think it could be Paul who wrote uh, the book of Hebrews. That's kind of the traditional thought. Um, more uh, modern scholars think that, hey, maybe Paul wasn't uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews. But man, it's a really, really interesting book. It's a complex book. It can be a bit confusing if, if you read through uh, the book of Hebrews. But man, it is a, a fun book to read through. Um, and just like all the other books, written in the New Testament. It was shortly written after Jesus ascended into heaven at the right hand of God, shortly after the official birth of the church. As many people view the official birth of the church, kind of starting with the day of Pentecost and the disciples kind of carrying the torch that Jesus left for them. But in Hebrews chapter 13, what we're going to be starting in verse 7, the writer of Hebrews writes, "'Remember your leaders.'" Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not been benefited those devoted to them. So here in this closing chapter of the book of Hebrews in verse 7, the writer of Hebrews says, remember your leaders. And so here we're, we're talking about in the context of the church. We're talking about the context of, uh, of Christians, as we see those who spoke to you the word of God. So we're talking about the leaders who have spoken to you the word of God. So our discussion this morning, we're not talking about our political governing authorities, leaders. I still think we need to um, uh, obey our governing authorities uh, when they don't uh, contradict with the word of God. We talked about this before, but our focus focus this morning is strictly on leaders within the church, whether that be the local church like here at North Hills or the worldwide church, everybody who belongs to God, everybody who is a follower of Jesus. And so here the writer of Hebrews says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. He says, consider the outcome of life, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And so here the writer of Hebrews says to remember your leaders, those who share the word of God with you. And as you remember the, the, these different leaders that you may have in your life that have shared the word of God with you, the writer of Hebrews says, uh, consider the way in which they conduct their life. Consider the outcome of the way of their life. 
When was the last time that you kind of just sat down and considered the outcome of the way of life uh, for some of uh, your church leaders? And I'm not talking about just me. There, there's many church leaders here on a local level, and, and we're going to dig into the worldwide level in a second. But here, uh, the writer encourages us to consider the outcome of the way of their life and imitate their faith. That's a bold statement from the writer here to say, consider your leaders uh, and, and the way in which they conduct their lives and imitate their faith. That's, uh, that, that's, that's a, a bold calling. That's a bold statement, a bold command that the writer of Hebrews is saying, that we need to consider our leaders. We need to consider their outcome, the way of their life, and imitate their faith. Now, let me take a minute and talk to you leaders out there. This puts a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. And in a sense, we all have a form of leadership. Everybody is looking towards us, whether, uh, whether in, in a positive sense or not. The, the world is looking at us as Christians. We can lead other people. We all serve a form of leadership within the church. And here the writer of Hebrews says that people need to consider the outcome of your life as leaders. And not only that, but the writer of Hebrews encourages them to imitate your faith, imitate your faith as leaders. Now ask yourself, if people walking down the streets, if people at your job, if people at your schools, if they imitated their faith, would they be living a godly life? Because the truth of the matter is people are watching you. People are watching you all the time more than we would ever imagine, more than we could ever think, especially we, a part of the church. We kind of have a spotlight on us, and uh, we receive a lot of flack, and we, sometimes we receive praise uh, from our uh, surrounding uh, society and culture. But people are watching you. They are considering the way in which you conduct your life. And we, as leaders, we need to make sure that we are leading them, that we are guiding them, towards God, that we ourselves, we need to be living a life of faith. And when we do live a life of faith, when we are obedient to God and his son, Jesus, I'm going to tell you, people are going to take notice. People are going to notice when you love your enemies. People are going to notice when you, when you have a daily habit, a daily discipline of reading God's word and praying to God. People are going to notice when you're very generous with your money. People are going to notice if you are a follower of God, a follower of Jesus or not. And if you are, if you are, here the writer of Hebrews encourages them to imitate that faith. So man, this is a high calling a high calling for all leaders that people are encouraged to imitate their faith after you. Not talking about Jesus here. He's not talking about the 12 disciples. He's not talking about Paul. Talking about you, that they imitate their faith after you. And so we need to watch our conduct. Watch how we uh, conduct ourselves on social media Watch how you conduct yourselves at your job, at your school. Watch how you conduct yourself and just hanging out with your friends because I'm telling you, you're being watched all the time when you're around others. So we have to be careful about how we lead and who we choose to lead, who we choose to, to, to lead our lives as well. As the writer of Hebrews in verse nine writes, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. 
So here the writer of Hebrews is talking about leaders and how we need to imitate our lives after the leaders, those uh, who share the word of God with us. But at the same time, the writer of Hebrews says, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. In other words, don't be led away by different teachings. If someone is teaching something different than what Jesus taught, don't be led away by them. This, this is a very direct warning, a, a, a very direct command here to not be led away by those who have a different or diverse or strange teachings. If we all think about it, there's a lot of diverse and strange teachings out in the world. A lot, a lot, a lot. And, and so we need to be careful of that. We need to keep a watchful eye for that. And so number one, we need to make sure that we aren't sharing and spreading these diverse and strange teachings and leading people in these uh, different ways. But number two, we also have to be careful of who we let have influence in our life. If their life isn't conducted in a manner that God would see fit, if they conduct their lives with diverse and strange teachings, then we need to be careful about that. The right of Hebrews talks about that. And so we, we, if we continue here in, in uh, chapter 13, uh, the writer of Hebrews talking um, about uh, us being sanctified and uh, we need to come before God to please him with our sacrifices and so forth. But if we jump down to verse 17, verse 17 of uh, chapter 13, we read, the writer of Hebrews writes, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. So here the writer of Hebrews he says it as, as plain as day. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them. And again, we have to understand the context. We're talking about the leaders who have shared the word of God with you. And when we confront these leaders who have shared the word of God with you, here the writer of Hebrews, here God's word says that we are to obey them and we are to submit to them. Why? Why are we to obey them? Why are we to submit to them? Well, he answers that. It says, for or because they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And so we should obey our, our, our church leader. We, we should submit to our church leaders. Why? Because they are keeping a watch over your souls. They're keeping watch over you. They're shepherding you. They, they, they care about you. They love you. They care about your future and, and the promises of your kingdom and whether or not you be a part of that and so here, it couldn't be any more clear that we are called to obey your leaders within the context of the church and submit to them. Now, when I kind of read obey and submit, they're, they're kind of very similar. But when I think of obey, I think of obeying with our actions. Um, if, if a church leader um, uh, tells you or asks you uh, to read your Bibles, you can obey them by reading your Bibles. That, that's obeying. We, we all obey our parents. When our parents tell us to do something, we have the choice to obey them or not. If they tell us to clean our room. We can either obey and clean it, or we, we, we don't clean it. When I think of submitting, I think that's kind of an attitude, an attitude of submission, and that you are willing, you don't have this, this grumble attitude, you don't have this poor attitude, but that you are submitting to them. And uh, he, he continues and describes this, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, 
for that would be of no advantage to you. So when you obey your leaders, when when you submit uh, to uh, the church leaders, do it with joy. Don't do it with groaning. That would be of no advantage to you. You the person obeying and submitting. Myself as well. We all have church leaders. We all have leaders in our life that we need to submitting ourselves with if we see that they are not leading us away by diverse and strange teachings. We see that very, very clear exception. We don't follow them if, they're being, if we're being led away by diverse and strange teachings. Now, I like to look at uh, history, um, and Charles Spurgeon, uh, he was one of the most well-known preachers of all time. He lived um, in the 19th century, and he had a, lar- a huge following. I mean, uh, he, he had a, kind of a lot of radical ideas. He was against the idea of slavery, which was a bit uh, revolutionary of his time. Um, he's kind of known as the prince of preachers. So this is, this is a hot shot. This is a guy who has a lot of followers, a guy that a lot of people look up to today, myself included. And according to Ian Murray, the author of The Forgotten Spurgeon, so kind of biography about Charles Spurgeon, uh, it reads, on one of his visits, so this is talking about Charles Spurgeon, on one of his visits, to the continent, Charles Spurgeon met an American minister who said, I have long wished to see you, Mr. Spurgeon, and to put one or two simple questions to you. In our country, there are many opinions as to the secret of your great influence. Would you be good enough to give me your own point of view? So according to this book, Charles Spurgeon, he, he, he made a trip over to America, and this fame, uh, he, he lived in Europe, and he made uh, trips um, uh, elsewhere, as he was, he was a traveling preacher, a prince uh, of preachers, and uh, I mean, his fame was spreading, and, and people were wondering, man, how do you have this sort of influence? How do you have this sort of following? And so this, this American minister, this American preacher asked, would you be good enough to give me your own point of view? And so after a moment's pause, Spurgeon replied, my people pray for me. That was his reply as to how he has so much influence as my people pray for me. And Hebrews chapter 13, verse 18, the writer of Hebrews says, pray for us. Pray for us, the writer of Hebrews himself being a leader of the church. Pray for the leaders of your church. The main point into which Charles Spurgeon accredited his influence and, and the, the work that he had in his ministry, the main thing that he pointed to was that his people prayed for him. And all of his success that he had, he recognized, my people pray for me. And I encourage you all this morning, pray for your leaders. Pray for your leaders. Pray for me. I'm not ashamed to ask for your prayers. I am far, far from perfect. I have a lot of growth. I need to uh, maintain my track, stay on the right track. We all receive temptations. And so I'm not ashamed to ask to pray for me. Pray for me as just one leader of the church and pray for the other leaders of the church as well. Here, the writer of Hebrews encourages us, commands us to do so, to pray for us, us the leaders. 
Now, again, it's not just anyone uh, claiming to be a leader that we should follow. We already saw one exception. One exception is that anybody who leads us away by diverse and strange teachings, we should not follow uh, their, their teachings and, and what they have to say. And there are very clear guidelines and qualifications to be a leader within the church. So not just anybody who claims to say, I am a leader of the church. You shouldn't just blindly follow them. But if they follow the qualifications and guidelines guidelines presented in God's word, then yes, I think we should be following them. And Paul outlines these guidelines, these qualifications to being a leader found in the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, just a couple of pages before uh, the book of Hebrews. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul's talking about the qualifications for overseers. And overseers, similar to the idea of an elder, similar to the idea of someone who is watching over you, someone who is sharing God's word with you. In other words, we're talking about the leaders. And so Paul writes in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, he says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must, so these are requirements for an overseer, an elder, a leader, whatever you want to call it. They must be above reproach, must have the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. As Paul outlines it right here, If you want to be a leader, you must abide by these things. You must be above reproach. There's no questions asked. You must be, um, you you can't have multiple wives. You have to be sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable. We we just read it. These are all requirements to being a leader within the church. So if we have someone that we know claiming to be a leader of the church, but their life does not live in conduct with this, then that should signal warning signs off to us. And we should be careful. We should be careful about their influence in our life. But if they follow these qualifications, if they truly are an overseer, if they truly are an elder, if they truly are a leader within the church, then I think we find that we ought to obey them, that we ought to submit to them, that we ought to pray for them. But we have to be careful. We have to be careful in who we let have influence in our lives. I mean, it's a shame how often uh, we hear of great leaders of the church, um, you know, kind of falling into the snares of temptation, falling into the snares of sin, and we all have to be careful of that. That's a big reason as to why we need to be praying for our leaders, myself included, other leaders in here, other leaders outside of this church, leaders worldwide. We have to be obeying them, we have to be submitting to them, and we have to be praying for them. I think this is supported throughout the scriptures that we have to be abiding by following the leadership of our local churches. 
I'll tell you, it's a little uncomfortable being a leader of the church saying, you gotta, you gotta obey, you gotta submit, you gotta pray for the leaders of your church. But again, I think this is biblical. I think this is a biblical principle. It's not my original creative idea. This is a principle commanded in the scriptures. And again, I'm not talking just about myself this morning. I'm talking about all the leaders, all the leaders within North Hills, within Lawrenceville, within Pleasant Hill, within the Church of God General Conference, within all churches, any church, we have to be careful and follow them and work cohesively as one unit. So that's the local church. That, that, that's following the leadership of the local church. And at the same time, we need to follow the leadership of the worldwide church. And we have to remember that ultimately the worldwide church, God's church, is the group of people who belong to God. So you better believe that God is the one who is in charge and we have to follow his leadership. But now God, he... he he delegated some of those responsibilities. He delegated the responsibilities of being a leader of the church. If we take a look at the scripture, we, we see that this is pretty clear, that he's delegated this responsibility over to someone else. And uh, we could ask ourselves who that is. Many of us probably uh, could get that answer. It's Jesus. God has handed that responsibility. He's delegated that responsibility, delegation of beauty. Um, and God delegated the responsibility of being the head of the church over to his son, Jesus. We can read about this in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. Just a couple of books prior uh, to 1 Timothy. We're going backwards uh, this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, Paul here, writing to the church in Ephesus, he writes, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering that you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the work of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places." far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he, God, put all things under his feet and gave him, gave Jesus as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. It's a God, the one who has ultimate authority, ultimate power. He's handed that power. He's handed that authority over to his son, where now Christ is the head of all things in regards to the church. So we talk about following the leadership of the church. We have to follow Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate leader of our church. He's the ultimate leader of the North Hills Church. He's the ultimate leader of the Church of God General Conference. He should be the ultimate leader of all churches, and he's the ultimate leader of the worldwide church. And so as we talk about the expectation of following leadership within the church, we have to. We must talk about following and obeying and submitting for our Lord and Savior, our leader, Jesus Christ. That is expected of each and every one of us. If we want 
to be part of the group of people that will partake in God's kingdom, then we have to. There's no ifs, there's no ands, there's no buts. We have to follow Jesus first and foremost as he is our ultimate leader. If any of us who has any sort of position of leadership, Jesus must be our leader. We must, be, we must all be followers of Jesus and we have to obey him and we have to have an attitude of submission to Jesus, our leader. God was very purposeful in this. God created a very structured and organized system to his church. And when the system runs properly, it works wonderfully. When, when we are all working together as one, we can grow closer to God and we can expand his coming kingdom and bring in as many people as possible into God's kingdom. But the system only works if we follow leadership of the church. A church both needs great leaders and it needs great followers just as much, if not more importantly. So again, if we want to be a part of God's church, if we want to be a member of God's church, it's expected of every one of us, myself included, to follow the ultimate leader, Jesus Christ, and to follow the leadership of the church, both on a local and a worldwide basis. And if we do, then we will partake in God's coming kingdom. And man, I am so excited for that day. I am so excited for the day in which the leader of our church comes down, descends from heaven to earth to establish God's kingdom here on earth as there's so much corruption, there's so much evil, there's so much pain in this world. I'm ready for all that to come to an end and to have a never-ending celebration with God and with the leader of our church, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the hope that we have collectively as one church, the hope in your coming kingdom. Father, I pray that you give us all an attitude of submission to your son, to your leader. Father, I pray that we all can come together collectively as one church. We can all function and work smoothly, cohesively as one single unit. Father, we pray that that day of your son coming back to this earth may come soon. And man, let that hope drive us on a daily basis. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand as we close our worship singing, Ever Be.